Because <laughs> about it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. <laughs> well, get your Bibles out and go to First Peter, chapter three. We're not going to get into Christmas sermons until next Sunday morning, but this one will be good. Amen. All right. I want to start off by reading my scripture, and then I'm going to make a comment, and then we're going to pray. 1 Peter 3.10, he who would love life and see good days. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to love the life you have and see good days? Good. Well, then this is going to be a good message. You're going to like this. Aren't you glad that like Olivia said, that no matter what you did in your past, God doesn't leave you there? That he actually has a way for you to turn it around. So let's pray. Father God, I'm about to open up the word. And I'm about to share the word I have on my heart with this church. I am trusting that it will bear fruit and, and not return void. Every one of us in this room will hear it and walk in the light of this. And we will experience 2019 and step into the best years of our life. There's nobody can do this but you. You said, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. You would lift us up. And I'm trusting for the lifting power, the grace of God to hit this church, to hit the people of this church. And for every situation we're dealing with to come out of it in Jesus' name, amen. I read that scripture to you right there, and I'm going to read, I'm going to read on down now, and I want you to pay attention as I read. He who would love life and see good days, refrain your tongue from evil. The problems that you're having right now are right under your nose. For your lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those that do evil. Everything that he just said right there has to do with you and character, not other people. He didn't mention anything about you working, trying to straighten out somebody else so you could have a better life. You can have a better life just by making adjustments in your own life. Now, I'm not saying that what's happening to you is not valid. I'm not saying to you this morning that there's not people that are doing you wrong. There are. I'm telling you, that's not hindering you. But I'm also going to make another statement to you that everything he says here has to do with character. Your character has to do with whether you have a better life or not. Now, we have, and I don't know of another word to use, so please forgive me. In the American church, we have poo-pooed living right. Now, I'm not, that's, I'm not being vulgar. I'm just, we have downplayed it. We have not, we, we've not preached on it. America is in a mess, and I'm going to tell you who's at fault. The preachers. It's us. We are the ones. You, you get up on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, you come to church, you're wanting to hear what God has to say, and we're not telling you. 
We're not delivering the goods to you. We're not showing you what God actually is requiring out of you to have a better life. One of the reasons for that is that we don't want to offend you. We want you, you want to hear, uh, Jesus loves me, this I know every Sunday morning. But every once in a while, we got to go back and start talking to about some character issues. So let me read this again, and I'm going to show you something. We've talked about your tongue, but it says, let him, that would be you, turn away from evil and do good. Turn away from what's wrong. That's a choice we make. There's another scripture in 1 Timothy 4.8. It says godliness is profitable. Living right is profitable financially and health-wise. You are not going to get your prayers answered as a Christian if you're disobeying God. I'll come over here and say it again. I, I know that's hard to hear in America today. You are only one-third saved. Now, I say that because I know people look at me like, well, Pastor, you're, really, you're crazy. I mean, I'm 100% saved. Well, I understand semantics. Yes, you are. But your spirit, man, is alive unto God, and God did it. The other two-thirds of you is not saved, and that is totally your responsibility. And God is expecting you and I to do something with the other two-thirds, especially if you want him in your life. Let me quote another scripture to you. The Bible says that God's eyes roam to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong. On behalf of those whose hearts perfect toward him. Let me help you with something. He is not showing up at every Christian's house. And he is not showing up at every church. And he may or may not even know whether you have a problem nor care. You say, but I'm a Christian. It doesn't matter. That might be a little bit of a shock to you. Let me read something to you that's. Um, I got this off of Tony Cook's website, and it is the state of theology, and in, in the bottom of it says, what do Americans think about God? Jesus Christ, sin, eternity, Legionnaire Ministries, state of theology survey has uncovered those answers. Now, I'm going to read to you because they did a survey on evangelical Christians. Now, I'm not talking about no, I'm talking now. This survey is churches where people go to church. Now, only 20% of Americans in this year go to church. Only 20%. This is a survey of those people who do go. We're not talking about the ones that don't, we're talking about the ones that do show up and believe in Jesus. You're going to be shocked a little bit at the survey of what people who say they're Christians believe. Evangelicals have a great concern for the gospel. The evangel, yet a majority of them also expresses views that are contrary to truth of the Bible. For example, although evangelicals believe that Jesus died on the cross for their salvation, many do not fully understand the gravity of sin. 
Their comment, this is, the, this is the question, everyone sins a little, but most people are basically good by nature. 52% of evangelicals believe that, that, that people are basically good. In other words, the blood of Jesus really wasn't required. Honey... You're going to find out, and I'm going to, I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to read something. Well, no, I'm not. I'm going to jump. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Number two, number two, evangelicals seem to be confused about the exclusivity of Christianity and its objective claims to truth. God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. 51% of evangelicals believe that Judaism, Islam, and Christianity are equal religions in the eyes of God. Now, I'm not going to pick on anybody, but there's a voting going on this week in downtown Apopka in a church over whether homosexuals can pastor. I'm going to make a statement to you. There's already been a voting done on that. God voted, and he, he said, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, all three of them voted, and they didn't ask you to vote. And they put it in a book. I like John Hagee. He says, God didn't say, let's make a deal. He said, this is the deal. Oh, it gets worse. Now, you understand, I'm, I'm doing all this because I want you to see why I'm going to preach on certain subject in just a minute. And the doors are locked. You can't get out. All right, now this one's a good one. God counts a person's righteous not because of what he does, but because of faith in Jesus. 91% agree with that. 7% disagree that Jesus is the only way. I wonder what happened to 7%. But anyway, 97%, that's pretty good. There is only one true God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Ninety-seven people agree, three percent disagree with that statement. Evangelicals. Okay. Those are, that's decent. Jesus is the first greatest being ever created by God. Seventy-eight percent of evangelicals believe that Jesus was created Now, do you think that preachers need to kind of tighten up a little bit in the pulpit? Jesus wasn't created at all. He's God. Maybe we ought to celebrate something like Christmas and sing songs like Emmanuel, which means God with us. Honey, he was there before the creation of the world. God didn't create Jesus He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the anyway. Never mind. All right. This is pre, pre-Christianity. Even the smallest sin it deserves eternal damnation. Only 23% of Christians believe that sin will cause you to be damned. Now we're talking pre-born again. There's 75% of the people. No wonder no wonder we have a problem in America. All right. Worshiping alone or with your family at home 
is a valid replacement for regularly attending church. 58% of all Christians believe that we're just as saved sitting home. Well, you are saved, but poor God, poor God. When we get to heaven, we're going to get to straighten him out a little bit because he came up with all of this church and pastors and and, and, and we really didn't need it. I'm going to tell you what that is, and it's going to make some of you mad, but it's okay. It's pride. Come on, we'll get in that in a minute. No, you're not. You're not going to function without the local church. Now, I didn't say you'd go to hell. I said you're not going to function. Godliness is profitable. You cannot walk in love a home with your kids. You know why people do that? Because you join the church, we're going to find out about you. That means it won't be long. We'll know your good attitudes and your bad ones. And we will look, you're going to look like a cowboy. The good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> and see, that exposes you to people. And we'll find out you're carnal. But then you'll find out we love you anyway, and then you'll grow. This is, this is six acres of no condemnation. But it is required not to forsake the assembly. Now listen to this one. Religious belief is a matter of my personal opinion. It's not about objective truth. 20, 32% of evangelicals believe that what, what's in the Bible is my opinion about it. That's, a, that's almost a third. Does anybody think this pastors need to get on the stick just a little bit? I'm going to say something really good about myself. Aren't you glad you got a good one? The Bible's condemnation of homosexuality does not apply today. 44% of evangelicals believe that. I'm a, this is the last one. 52% of evangelicals believe that abortion is a sin. 38 say it is not. 38%. There's more in there. I don't have time for it. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Are you all okay? What I want to do is I'm going to talk this morning about living right. Is that important? Yes, listen. Yes, it's important that you live right. Godliness is profitable. God, and I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to pay attention. Chapter 5, verse 5, 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to those that are older with gray hair. All of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. God is not answering everybody's prayers. 
The only people who are coming to church that are getting their prayers answered that God is paying any attention to are the ones that have humbled themselves under the mighty hand of God and submitted themselves to the word of God. And the rest of the people, even though they're in church, going to church and say they believe in Jesus, God is stiff-arming them and ignoring them because they're ignoring him. Listen, I got five children. I don't treat all five of my children the same because they don't act the same. You can't treat everybody the same. God does not. He loves you, but he does not treat you the way he treats everyone else. If you don't know something's wrong, God does not hold that against you. But when you do know it's wrong, yes, he is expecting and waiting patiently for you to get it together. And if you choose not to, which is rebellion, then at some point he is going to show you down and you're going to hit a wall and go oh where's God and he's going to say I ain't moved ever you did so we have a problem in America today sure we have a greater problem in the church because preachers aren't preaching this and I'm going to tell you why we don't preach this because we need money to keep the doors open. We really, you know, we're the only business that requires you to obey and we can't charge you. You don't do that at work, but, but, they, but God requires me to feed the ones of you that don't even offer, don't do anything. And trust God that you'll obey God. You, someone said, well, I wish I was a pastor. I wish you were too. And then get mad at me for eating ice cream with your tithe money. <laughs> I wish I could take up tithes. I'd get the mafia in here. Hey, that's your tithe? Say, hey, Jojo, come over here in this store. I got the guy stealing from God. I know you make more than that. <laughs> Give me your wallet. Give me the, get the wallet. Take him outside back there and get the money out of that guy right now. It, it don't work that way, though. But I am going to tell you this. God will resist you. Are y'all okay? Somehow or another, we came up with this idea that how we live does not matter. Honey, it matters. When I got born again, and I've showed you pictures of me, listen, I, people come in here and they just, if, if you think you have an issue, I got saved, I owned one pair of blue jeans, one. I had hush puppies with holes in the bottom of the shoes. I had one shirt, two, two pair of underwear, two. I think I stole the other pair so I would not be naked while my blue jeans were in the wash. And I washed them once a week whether they needed it or not. Y'all think, see, I came out of all the hell. You guys, I came out of a greater hell than 99% of y'all have ever known. 
I've had times when I didn't have any food. We, the heat in my house was a pot-bellied wood stove, and I had to go out and steal wood out of, the, out of the forest to cut it and sneak it back home just to have heat in the house and sit there with a hatchet and split wood. And listen, a pot-bellied wood stove is not a heater. It doesn't, the wood doesn't burn in it all night long. There's no way to regulate the heat. So about 2 in the morning, it goes out, and you better have a blanket on your bed. You wake up, and there's ice outside and in the bedroom too, baby. It's hanging off of stuff. Now, you know, I came out of that, and when I got saved, what do you think the first thing God talked to me about? Character. What was causing my problems? A lack of it. He got me a job and he started talking to me about attitude. Started talking to me about thankfulness. Everything God talks to me about is always about living right, doing right, and acting right. I wonder why. Because that was the problem. And in one year, I was out of debt and had my first new car. Why? Because God changed me from the inside out. I got up and went to work with a smile on my face. I got to work early. I appreciated my job. I no longer griped and complained. And I found all of that in here. In other words, I quit sinning. The wages, payday for sin is death. Was then, is now. Well, y'all are excited. Revelation chapter 2, go over there. Y'all stay, act like you're excited, and I won't keep you. But listen, if I find out that you're not receiving this very well, wouldn't I, I, JoJo got the door. I love rainy days, especially when you got a good book and a blanket and a fireplace and just curl up and read a book. So I think I will let you out of here on time. All right. <laughs> Revelation chapter 2, starting with verse 12. J Jesus is writing a letter to a local church, which we have learned we really don't need anyway. To the angel of the church of Pergamos, I'm being facetious. To the angel of the church of Pergamos, he writes, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword, I know your works, which means he's watching what we're doing. I know that may bother you. Where you dwell where Satan's throne is and you hold fast to my name and have not denied my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have there who hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and commit sexual immorality. Thus you have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or I'm going to come to you quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I'm going to give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I'll give him a white stone with his name written on it, and no one knows except him who receives it. Now go with me to Numbers 22. What is the doctrine of Balaam? Apparently, it was something that he thought worthy 
of mentioning, right? Well, we don't hear a lot about Balaam because we don't preach on Balaam. But God thought we needed to preach on Balaam. So we're going to preach on the doctrine of Balaam. What is it? Is it in the church today? As a matter of fact, it is. And that's why I'm preaching on it because it's in the American church. So are y'all ready? Numbers chapter 22, verse 1. And I'm going to read down to about 8 or 9 because I need you to get the gist of what's happening. The children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of the Jordan across from Jericho. Balak, the son of Zippor, not a lighter, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because they were many. Let's stop right there for a second. Everywhere the children of Israel went, they were beating their enemies and not anybody in the the Jewish nation was dying. They were a totally invincible army of people that could not be conquered. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. We we watch these movies on TV, what's Thor and, and... and all the superhero stuff, because the Greek gods took the idea of somebody that cannot be conquered right out of history. Who was the guy that Achilles, uh, I think Brad Pitt played him or something like that. And I mean, every man wants to think he can't be hurt until he gets married and finds out his wife will whoop him. All right. But see, I think all mankind, there's kind of this fear that you're going to meet an enemy and you can't beat them. I think Trump told the guy in North Korea, he says, you got one bomb? Let me tell you something, boys. We got, we got hundreds of them. And the guy said, I think I'll negotiate. And he said, good, I'm coming over. Let's have a talk. Because <laughs> when someone can definitely whoop you, that's a fight you don't want to get in, right? All right. So the children of Israel... This, this king has the children of Israel coming up. And when we read about David, it says David killed his thousands. No, Saul killed thousands. David's ten thousands. When you have David's mighty men that are jumping in a, a pit and ripping a lion apart, that is a bad, that gently don't hold nothing to that guy. Especially when you dive in the pit looking for the lion. Now you think you got an army of people like this? So what's happening today is Satan knows there are people on the earth that are blessed by God coming in and blessed going out. And Abraham's blessings are theirs. And they are a people whom Satan, because of the blood, cannot defeat. The Christians in this nation created the greatest nation that has ever been on the earth. And at this moment, we are totally undefeatable. Except there's a group on the south down by the border that thinks they're going to climb over the fence. Not quite sure what's happening right there right now. How did, are we smarter? No, the Japanese had a jet before we did. So do the Germans. I'm going to tell you something. The Germans are smarter than Americans. So are the Japs. And if you think I'm lying, then you'll understand why I drive a Toyota pickup truck. 
Because when I go out there, it will crank. And I have jumper cables in my truck, but they're for you. I had to break the ice somehow or another. <laughs> so what we're reading here is that we have the children of Israel that have, they, they've been whipping armies seven times larger than them. And not even one man dying. Wow. And this guy's scared. And he needs to be. And that's what we're fixing to read. Are y'all ready? Now I know the football teams wish they could do this. They could if they prayed. I'm trying to prophesy over <coughs> South Carolina right now. Verse 4, Moab said to the elders of Midian, Now this company will lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, king of the, M of the Moabites at that time, and he sent messengers to Balaam, son of Beor, at Pether, which is near the river and land of the sons of the people, to call him and said, Look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth, and they're sitting next to me. Come at once and curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. And I know whom you bless is blessed and whom you curse is cursed. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee in their hands. And they came to Balak and spoke to him the words, the Balaam spoke the words of Balak. They went and found a wizard a sorcerer, and offered him money to curse the children of Israel. And he wants the money. Now, he's not a prophet. A lot of people thought he was a prophet, and he's not. Now, you say, well, in the rest of the story, which I'm not going to read, the Spirit of God does come on him. But why does God come on him if he's not a real prophet? Because God is protecting Israel. He's not going to let this man curse his, his people. And so the Spirit of God comes on this, this wizard, and for three times he even gets on his donkey and goes to curse him after God told him not to, and an angel stood in the way and was going to kill him, and the donkey saved his life, and the story of the donkey speaking in Hebrew to him and telling him, listen, I'm saving your life, why are you beating me? And all of that's in this story, but, ba but Bala Balaam still wants the money. So after he couldn't curse them, they come back with more money. And finally, he goes... I really want that money, and I cannot curse whom God has blessed. Now, I want you to understand this. Satan knows he can't harm you. Powerful, powerful, powerful. We are blessed coming in. We're blessed going out. Abraham's blessings are mine. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. The devil knows who you are. So, Numbers 25. The Israel remained in Achaia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods 
And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. And Israel was joined to Baal of Peor. And the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. And the Lord said to, the Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord and the Son, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, every one of you, um, kill the men who are joined to Baal of Peor. What just happened here? Balaam walked away and said, I can't curse them. But he went back to the king and said, but I have a plan. Go get the women, the Moabite women. Now here's what, I, I went and I did a lot of study on this. The Moabite women were very loose in their morals. History says that they came into the camp with the men and exposed their nude bodies to them. Sh lifted their skirts and kind of showed them the wares. The men followed these women to the temples and began to worship their gods. Does that sound a little like Facebook to you? Instagram? Now, when I was a boy growing up, you had to go find a playboy. But you ain't got to find no playboy now. Just yesterday, I was looking at Facebook, and an ad came up for a nude cruise. Everybody's butt naked and drinking and smoking and, and headed to the Bahamas. Now, for all of you young men think that's cool, let me tell you something about nude women. The women on them cruises are all old, fat, and ugly, and you don't want to be on them. <laughs> well, there goes one Baptist. When Lisa, when Lisa and I were on our honeymoon in Jamaica, we walked down to the beach, and I'd never seen a sign that said bathing suits optional. Till that day. It just didn't register on us until we walked by a bunch of women and an old man, 90-year-old. Let me tell you something. Those are the people you want them to wear the bathing suits because even I wasn't looking. I'm like, put your bathing suit on, woman. All three of y'all in that chair. Never mind. On Facebook the other day, on Facebook. Now, I'm saying all this because Satan is after you. And he's doing it to kill you. He's doing it to take you out. What is the thing where they give the, the, all the movie stars go up and they have the parties and they honor the Oscars? I have found out that the women in the Oscars wear pieces of dress with no bras and panties now. The more they can show, the cooler the dress. It, one I saw, it looked real cool. I mean, it was drafting from everywhere. And I'm not even looking. I'm, I don't, 
I don't, I don't do porn. This is Facebook. And I'm going down and I'm like, uh, no. And then I'm thinking about the boys in our church and I'm going, uh, I don't bet you they're not going, oh, no. I bet they're going, oh, yeah. And probably not just the boys. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? So what's happening in America today? What's really going on in this nation? Satan's after the church. And he's introducing sin because he can't defeat you. But he can get God to stiff arm you. He can get God against you. Just because the church has such a liberal mindset towards sin. The wages of sin is what? It's death, guys. You start playing with adultery. It is the number one cause of poverty in America today. I mean, now you want to take care of two women, two houses, your old kids and the new. That's absolutely stupid. Oh, I've been approached. Not lately. I think there's a blessing hitting your 60s. Nobody seems to hit on us anymore. They're just kind of like, hey, Grandpa, and, and I'm good with that. But I haven't always been partly bald. And I have walked in a few apartments where the girl flat told me he won't be home till midnight. And I left. I left shaking. I, listen. I'm not, I'm still a male. Thank you. And when you come out in scantily clothing and your husband ain't home and you're letting me know that it's safe till midnight and you look like, uh, well, you're a 36, 24, 36, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, drop-dead, good-looking woman, and I'm going, what in the Sam Hill is your husband doing away from you today? <laughs> and then I'm walking out. Why? Because I already know the wages of sin is death. I have already figured this thing out. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I don't have time to do it. But that's happened way over a dozen times since I've been saved. I had an old woman one time. She was in her 80s. I'm in her apartment, and I'm working on something. And she comes up and starts shaking everything. I mean, I, I don't want to get gross, but she was shaking everything. And she was flapping her eyeballs at me. And I was on a ladder in her kitchen, and I just, I didn't have the kutha. I did not have the kutha. I said, honey, ma'am, I have been propositioned. By girls. No. <laughs> and then I told her to stop before she breaks something. She had teeth. But honey, when everything's sagging and bagging and flopping, that's not even a, you're not even a temptation, darling. You don't even...
Can anybody tell me why America is in the churches in the mess it's in? This is it. We've taken an extremely lax stand against immorality. If you're in here today and you've lost your fire, you have sin in your life. I'm not saying that to condemn you. I'm saying that because you need to go home and you need to start looking in your life. I, I have two kinds of preachers I listen to. One of them tells me who I am in Christ, people like Mark Hankins, how much God loves me about the blood of Jesus. I love it. I love it. And then I have the Rick Renners and the Keith Moores. Keith is always talking about living right. And Rick Renner's just as bad. But I, I, I pop them in and listen to them because I know that Daryl needs more than Jesus loves me. I know Daryl. See, I'm only one-third saved. The other two-thirds of me is not. I still have a flesh and I have a mind. And I have to constantly watch that lest I start doing something stupid and get on the bad side of God. Say amen, somebody. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 10. Anybody know what's wrong in the church today? Yeah. And you guys helped create that. Can I, can I go on now? Because you vote. And you vote with your pocketbooks. And when you don't like, listen, I can preach 50 sermons, and, and you love every bit of, but 51. Now, I'm going to tell you, I can't name names. I can tell you, I can get up here and preach a sermon you don't like, and the next Sunday there will be 30 people out of this church. That's because you're carnal. You don't do that at home. Everybody in your house doesn't like everything you say. Why do you do that in church? You know why? Because you're carnal. You know, if some of you just stuck, you'd grow up. I mean, just sticking would be monumental. Every time something doesn't go right, you're off running over the hillside. You leave jobs, you leave marriages, you leave churches. Don't shout me down. That It's a sin. You have a pastor somewhere. Go there and get in church and be faithful. Are y'all okay? And if you don't like the service, then go back and be faithful anyway. And if you don't like the second one, then pray for the pastor. He needs it. Now, if he's preaching false doctrine, get out of there. And don't ever go back. And don't think you're going to change it from the pew. You're not changing him from the pew. Well, I go to that church and they're not spirit-filled and they don't believe the way I believe, but the Lord called me there. No, he didn't, you numb nut. You just go there because you're too carnal to grow up in a good church. You know, this stuff isn't said. We've, we've got to start saying some things to the American. We're losing the nation to immorality and sin. we got half the, you know what percentage of people actually go to church in America? 
20% of Americans go to church. And those are evangel- the evan- evangelicals. And half of them are crazy. Where's the problem in America? It's right here. Are y'all ready? Is it okay to preach on living right? Go to 1 Corinthians 10. Verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud all passed through the sea. Talking about the blood of Jesus. They were all baptized into Moses, the cloud and in the sea. They ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. They drank all the spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. They're a type and shadow of a Christian. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. And these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. And do not become idolaters as some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 20,000 fell. He's writing that about the scripture I just read about the, the children of Israel and the Moabites. Now they went back in after they cleaned up the camp and took and, 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 and killed the Moabites and killed Balaam. So what good did that money do him? Didn't do him any good. Sin's not, sin's not taking you further. There is a God and you're not him. All right. Verse 9. Nor tempt Christ as some of them tempted and were destroyed by serpents nor complain. Some of y'all need to get in the altar right now. As some of them complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. All of these things happened to them in the Old Testament as an example that they were written for our admonition so we would read it in the age to come. Therefore, let the man who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Those stories are written for us so we would read them and go, Ah, you think we might want to change. We might want to make some adjustments right now. Now, I'm not perfect by any stretch. Lord have mercy. But there's a difference in being perfect and having a perfect heart. And your heart's perfect. God God will override a few stupids because he knows at least you're teachable. But I've had times in my life, I've had times when he dealt with me over something and I did not want to change. Now I know Jeannie's never done that and I know Paul's never done that. And I know Shantae's never done that. Now Maybelle, we don't know. No, okay, May- Maybelle, May- Shantae's the one. All right. Are y'all out there? You go. I mean, have y'all ever had times when God's dealing with you and dealing with you, and you're like, oh, no, 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 I know, I know, I know, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. And then l- let me make a statement to you. I'm, I'm going to read something to you now. I got this from Keith Moore, and I read it to myself because because we need to read this. It's the for who you are. Without Christ. The in you realities. Now we're not talking about in Christ realities. We're not talking about you are the righteousness of God in Christ. We're talking about you without Jesus. 
In Galatians 6, 3, it says, without Christ, you are nothing. In 1 Corinthians 8, it says, without Christ, you know nothing. In 1 Corinthians 4, it says, and without Christ, you have nothing. And in John 15, it says, without Christ, you can do nothing. So what are you without Jesus? Nothing. When he found you, you were nothing. The knowledge of how to get born again, he gave it to you. The spirit that you needed so you would know truth, he gave that to you too. Then he went to the cross and took your place because you were in sin. And then you were born again and he did it all. You didn't do any of it. Then after you were born again, he gave you his spirit to help you because you were dumb as a rock. And then he put you in a church which you don't go to all the time because you really do need it. And don't know you need it because you're still ignorant. And then he gave you family and friends and put the word of God and gave you a Bible and gave you the Holy Spirit to help you learn it. And the job you did this week and the money that you made this week, he gave that to you too. Now let me just back up a minute. Are y'all okay? Are you still breathing? All right. Keith Moore one time made a statement. He said, God, how much of what I do is you and how much is me? He wishes he'd never prayed that prayer. Because within a week, he, is the, he teaches healing school for Brother Hagen or did. And he was in there and he walked up to the piano to play it. And he couldn't remember anything. He said it was the most embarrassing. He's sitting there looking at the piano and he can't remember which keys to push. And out of embarrassment, he got up and went up to the podium and opened his Bible to teach the word. And he read it. And he didn't know what to read. He didn't understand what it said. And he finally dismissed himself, turned the meeting over to another worker, and went in his office and thinking that maybe, you know, he didn't know was he sick, had a fever, and know what. He just said, I couldn't, I couldn't function. And his wife said, this went on for three or four days. He couldn't drive a car. He couldn't remember where he lived. At the end of three or four days, he got on his face and said, God, you're scaring me. You're scaring. See, he actually thought that maybe God would just leave him like that. And he can't come back unless God gets him back. And she said, the first time I've ever seen my husband afraid. He, he stopped functioning. Let me tell you something. God takes his hand off of you. You're going to stop functioning. You're going to be sitting naked on a log eating worms someplace. You, you're functioning because God is helping you function. We talk a lot about what Jesus did. But without him, you and I are nothing. That's why we have worship services. Sometimes we do need, is it okay? Folks, folks, this, our Christianity 
Your walk with God, that's the most important thing you have in your life. And you don't want, I mean, even in, when he's judging you, he doesn't, he only, he does that with a lot of grace. The times he's taken his hand off of you, he only took it off a little bit. Woo. If it wasn't for him, none of us would be in this room right now. I love church. I love church. I love my Bible. Every once in a while, I go back and look at the picture of myself when I got saved. And I go, you're an idiot. And you are going to hell. And you need to sit here and thank God. Are you all out there? Did you go home? There's no bragging on me. There's no bragging on you either. So what happens if he just takes his hand off you? Because you're getting stubborn. You're getting cocky with God. I'll do it if I want to. Really? Who are you talking to? Are you all okay? Do you think maybe we ought to clean up the sin in our life? Yeah, sure. You want your prayers answered? There's a scripture that says if a man doesn't treat his wife right, God stops answering his prayers. I think that's true for women. God doesn't have to answer your prayers. I thank you for that. You can say amen again in a minute. Okay. What is the doctrine of Balaam? Balaam became a prototype of all corrupt teachers who betray believers into the fatal compromise with the world, worldly ideologies. At Pergamum, where Satan sat enthroned, some of the church was deceived that a, decided that accommodation was the wisest policy, and they taught the way of compromise. Today we have churches in America where the pastors are teaching the people. It doesn't matter if you go out to bars and drink and smoke. It's just, Jesus didn't go to the bars and drink and smoke to win people to the Lord. You don't have to either. If your Christianity can't change you, why would anybody want it? Thank you all for y'all's amens and grunts. You don't have to drink so that the the, the, the drunk, you'll relate to him. The gospel will change him, not you. Now, while I'm preaching, I realize that while we're talking, there's, there's people all over the room, and God's been dealing with you. And all of us, every one of us. There's changes that, that the church in America needs to make. Once we make them, go back over to 1 Peter chapter 5, and I'll, and I'll begin to close. Because i got to close on a real positive note here. So Jesus said, I hate the doctrine of Balaam. Now, now what, is, what is the doctrine of the Nicolaitans? Nicholas, the proselyte, came out of a false religion and, and became a proselyte to Judaism. Then he became a Christian. And later, he began to preach that because you're born again, it doesn't matter how you live. And all religions are equal. And that's exactly what the, the, the church in America today believes. 
That doctrine's in the church. It's in churches all over this nation. Don't let it in you. First Peter chapter 5. God resists the proud and he gives grace to who? The humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Verse 7, we've read this scripture for years, and, and, and it's not wrong the way we read it. We'll get in trouble and say, cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. But that's really not what it's saying. What it's actually saying is you take your life and you give it to God. You cast all of your cares, everything that's concerning you, over on God, and you do it his way. That's what that's saying. Now listen as we close here. Is God able to turn your life around? One hundred percent. Listen to me. I don't care how bad you messed it up. You can't mess it up that God can't fix it. But we need to come back to a doctrine of repenting of sin and turning to Jesus. Now I'm going to go over me just for a minute. The day I got saved, y'all know the story. I went home and rolled a joint to celebrate being saved. And the Lord said to me, you don't need that. I said, who is talking to me? Well, it was the Lord. Before he left my bedroom, he had convinced me, the playboys go, the rock music goes. The beer, the brandy, which was for colds. Sure, thinning your blood does not fix a cold. Okay, never mind. The Boone's Farm strawberry wine and everything that wasn't God, I was to take it to the country and threw it in a garbage, and I did. And when I did it, he said, come on, I have something for you to do. When you meet Jesus, he's going to say something to you about your life. And why do people not walk with God? Because they don't want to. I want Jesus, and then I want to do it my way. Well, I'm going to sing to you the song that Satan sings in hell now. I did it my way. Are you all okay? If we humble ourselves, if we choose, if we choose, and we can make a choice. He who would love life and see good days, you take evil and you get it out of your life. Just get it away. Get it away from you. Now, does that mean that at the end of that, everything you're going to do is perfect? No. But it does mean that you are now, with all of your heart, choosing to clean it up. I don't know what day it is. I think it's Lent, someone help me, before Easter, where the Jewish people would clean their house, and they got all the leaven out. Church is designed for you to get the leaven out of your life. That's what it's for. It's why we gather. It's why we come in here and hear what God has to say, and you go, well, I found some leaven today. (laughs) Let's clean some stuff up. And that's for us because God wants to bless us, and he wants us to be powerful, and he wants us to defeat all of our enemies. He wants you to be successful. 
But he's unable to do it unless we're cooperating with him. And Facebook boys, you might want to hand your phone to somebody and say, block all this. I got to give mine to Lisa. I don't know how in the world to get all of them to quit giving me ads I didn't ask for. And I'm, I'm scared for y'all to find my phone right now. I'm scared to look at my phone. This morning I had Barack Obama and Hillary in my phone when I woke up. And I went, that's not exactly what I wanted to look at when I woke up this morning. Where did you guys come from in my phone? Someone tell me and someone will help me. Take my phone and fix it. I'll, just give me a flip. Give me a shoe. Never mind. Say amen. amen. Can you all understand why there's a situation in America and why it does not appear as though God is manifesting? You see it now? We're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us. So let me ask you a question. How many of y'all are ready? The Spirit of God's been talking to you like, I think it's time to clean up a little bit. Let me tell you something. The moment you head that way, the blood of Jesus cleanses you. And now you can clean up under grace. You can get under grace and say, now, I repent. Now help me. And God's grace will take you where you need to go. Now that's something you and I must do. Now if you're afraid of God, that's something else you're going to have to get over. He's not out to hurt you. He gave you the world. He gave you all the stuff that's here. It's all for your enjoyment. He just wants you to clean your life up. Amen. Are you all ready? Because I'm going to pray and then I'm going to give this to my lovely wife. And I hope they have a cup of coffee for me out there. Amen. Father God, I want to thank you this morning for the opportunity to stand in front of this church and pastor it. I realize right now that the biggest problem we have in America is pastors. And I have chosen to obey you. And to start preaching on things that maybe the average church member is not hearing today. And I pray that we would. I pray that I'm not the only pastor that's hearing what you're saying. And picking up our Bible and starting to talk to the church people, the people you love and died for, about our lives. You want to walk with us. You want to help us. You want to help me. You want us to be healthy. You want us to prosper. And Father God, there's some of us that have hindered that. And I pray that with no condemnation today that... The people sitting in this room heard the heart of what it is that I'm talking about. There's things that we need to constantly do to walk with you. And Father God, I'm asking that as we go home today, that you continuously by the Spirit of God in us, lead us and guide us and show us those things that we need to live a victorious life. And that 2019 would become the best year we have ever lived on this earth. Because you desire that we have life and have abundantly. And I give you thanks for that, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.